We are not heroes, nor are we villains, neither kings nor magicians, but we can tell you their stories. We are the Lore Keepers, and we welcome you to Halloween. Welcome to Halloumé. This is Lorekeepers, the boundless venture, the world-renowned podcasting opus, wherein the richest tapestry of lore in human history is something to being before your very ear holes. I am Frank. I'm Carter. And whether you melt jewelry in volcanoes, burn steel to usurp the carrion throne, or create on your great warden to floss, sit a while by our fire, a weary wanderer, and let us weave you a tale. Emphasis on the weary, because it is 2020. Maybe it's not 2020, wherever this person is talking from. What? Actually, then, does that mean that there's another person who's having an idea in an alternate reality of Halloumé? A different reality? Okay, whatever. Anyways, this, this week, uh, we're going to be talking about districts, the districts of the city, and um, maybe by the end of this episode, having a name for this place. Um, but before we get into that, Carter, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Frank. Anything I, new in your life? Anything uh, Thanksgiving's coming up? Uh, Halloween yeah. just happened yesterday, yep. as the time of this recording. I, I, for in Halloween, I stayed up till one so I could platinum the Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, wow. That's not easy. You platinum Ghost of Tsushima? Tsushima? Tsushima. It was about 40 hours of work. It's not that much. Tsushima. Tsushima. 40 hours just to platinum it? It was 40 hours. It was basically like a 20-hour game. And if you want to platinum it, you got to do 20 additional hours. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I heard that game was good. Oh, it was really good. It's probably it's probably top ten games for me. It's definitely mm-hmm. top twenty-five because the story was really good. The gameplay was really of all good. time or like of this year. Uh, of my enjoyment. Okay, gotcha. Because the story is really good. The characters are really good. The visuals are really good. The gameplay was really good. It's just like what wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't get any bugs because there's some people playing game breaking bugs or something. Like, didn't get any of them. So <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that's honestly one of the biggest reasons why I like to play games uh, long after they've been released is because it gives the developers plenty of time to patch bugs. Like for instance, I played Assassin's Creed Unity uh, multiple years after its release and didn't necessarily do a lot for some of the gameplay problems of like it just not being that fun to play for me personally. But it did give them plenty of time to address all the weird, like, horror faces, bugs, yeah, I didn't get of, like, the teeth either. and the eyeballs yeah. floating in the head. I did get some weird physics glitches occasionally, but, like, it wasn't anything that I hadn't seen in any other game, you know? It wasn't, like, just cause three level of, of physics glitches. Yeah, the most well, in that, in that game, that's not a bug, it's a feature. That's the whole point. And, and recently, the, like, the biggest bug I've gotten in the game was when I was playing Last of Us 2, and I, like, phased behind a waterfall and fell into the void beneath the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm currently... What am I playing right now? A lot of Forza Horizon, Forza Horizon 4. Um, they do a Forza really and good... Horizon 4? Horizon Horizon it's a, it's a Swedish town. I see. No, it's a, they actually do a really good job. The map? Mm. So I am a sucker for huge games, uh, huge game maps in racing games. Uh, not like Fuel, because Fuel is just boring as hell. It's not actually anything to do in it. But the Drive. Um, it's all about yeah. Drive. The Drive. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. They made a massive world, but there's absolutely nothing to do in it. Whereas drive. in like Forza Horizon, the series is kind of known for like actually creating... It's not just about the drive. The drive has to actually be interesting and engaging. You have to be able to like... Also, the, and the map is just like literally shit to do, and they have a really good like live game uh, approach to it, where every week... No, every month is a new season, so they have spring, summer, fall, winter, and so the weather slowly changes every day as you play it, um, which is really cool. Yeah, I don't know. That's been super fun. But I did actually, for my Halloween, we actually watched Murder on the Orient Express, the uh, movie that came out in 2017, which was super good. I actually quite liked it. Um, there was a ton of spoon licking. It was very fun, though. What? Oh, that's like an acting term that refers to people going way over the top. Like, if they're like, like you know, if they're supposed to be like eating yogurt or something, they're like, mm, no, yeah, yeah, looking all over it and shit. There's a lot of spoon licking that was because it was an extremely star-studded cast. It had like Daisy Ridley and Willem Dafoe and Dame Judi Dench and Jude Law. It was just like you can tell it's the kind of movie that people made because they just wanted to act the shit out of something and just like have a bunch of people in a classic piece. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, not very Halloween. It did not go out and get super drunk uh, with a bunch of friends and put on like a super uh, uh, sexy costume of being like sexy coronavirus or whatever. Uh, <laughs> sexy. Yeah, okay, that one, Yandy promised that they wouldn't make one of those, but they did not promise. They ended up doing a sexy mail-in ballot, which is just, guys, I don't, I don't have any interest in being horny over like mail-in ballots. I don't really, what is the signal there? Whatever. I don't know. But yeah, we, it's, it's kind of weird because I'm used to doing stuff for Halloween, but I had written it off like weeks ago. I didn't even bother to really think about it. Yeah. Because what is there to think about, you know? I'm not used to doing stuff for Halloween, so nothing's changed in my book. You know, you don't know, like go out and hang out with friends? Do no, parties? not really. That's the main thing for me. I just don't really have friends to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the thing is, is it's if you don't have friends who are super into Halloween, then you probably also aren't going to want to just kind of go out and, you know, spend money on a costume and, or, you know, make it yourself or whatever. It, it can be a lot of work uh, just for one night. And then, you know, you're hanging out with people, you're getting drunk. I don't know. I love Halloween parties. I'm totally here for it, but uh, I totally get it. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I don't even think I had any alcohol yesterday. What we should have done is we should have done a watch party over the Plex with, uh, with like a scary movie. That would have been a good idea. 
Yeah. Belated, belated thoughts. Speaking of... Watch all of the X-Files. Speaking of parties, you know, gatherings of people, uh, the city the city of season three is, has gathered groups of people divided by districts. Would you, would you, would you agree with that statement, Carter? Uh, Even only, a little bit? Only in the smallest amount possible. Yeah. Oh, boy. Wow. Uh, I, I need to think about segues before I try to throw them out there. So, yeah, uh, this week, um, we are going to... We're going to talk about the districts of the city, or, or just a, I think, you know, really just like a general breakdown of trying to envision how it's structured, what are some of the significant, are there significant landmarks, and um, what, what is the breakdown of the city? Are there industrial areas, residential, commercial, you know, typical breakdown, or is it a little bit more stratified than that, uh, or less stratified than that, where you have, you know, shops above people's houses and stuff? Um, and obviously, with any city, you get a mix of everything. But um, I think talking about kind of the city model and, uh, you know, courtyards, or are there, are there, you know, piers for people to, you know, come back from fishing boats or et cetera? Yeah, uh, Carter, do you have any thoughts about like where you want to start with this? I think I want to go less stratified, more integrated, and more integrated. There's just like people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think stratification is probably more rich to poor than like commercial versus suburb. Probably. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of picturing like a Cape Town situation. I'm imagining a, a town that is sort of built near a bluff and you have, ah, maybe, I, sorry, that was maybe really obscure. Do you know much about Cape Town? Uh, no. Okay. It's just, it's a city that's kind of like built into uh, a lot of hills and bluffs. And so there's, there's like pockets of concentration and then like long roads that uh, like wind up and then more pockets where things flatten out again. And so you'll have strings of like houses and things that are attached. I don't know. It's just, it's just a, like it was a loose idea, but it's nothing super formal. I just know a lot of like island towns can have a similar structure to that when because islands typically have a fair amount of elevation change. Sure, I can see that we'll go for. But yeah, I think I think integrated makes sense to me. Maybe we should start by talking about what people might need because I think that will help determine like a day to day life of the person and the economy, and not just economy, but also like cultural needs and you know residential needs. What kind of yeah, where I don't know where do you want to start with that in terms of like we can just talk about literally if they need it. They'll probably need blacksmithing of some kind, um, but it might not be as prominent as in like a larger city or an Everestian city. Yeah, there's probably let's start Frank with the Candlemaker's Square. Okay, which is a misnomer because it's actually pentagonal. Okay, I thought that you were going to say because there's no candlemakers, but I like the idea that it's pentagonal. It's pentagonal. Yeah, sure. All right. So they, you got people who are making candles. Yeah. And there's people who make candlesticks. Do you think... Um, <laughs> oh, man. We're gonna, it's going to take forever if we go through it like this. Scented candles. <laughs> Scented candles. Candles. Got a wick maker. Time. Got yeah. a wick maker. Okay. Actually, let's stop for a second before we get uh, uh, into the... Too crazy. Stuff. I, I actually like the idea of doing Candlemaker Square. What's the fun twist on them, though? Like, what, what makes these candles special? Because, uh, of course, they're going to have a Candlemaker Square. But, like, we might as well make it interesting. Not every district has to be this interesting, but we might as well, like, make these candles interesting. Do you think that maybe they, like, recovered an artifact or something that changed the way they make candles? Carter? Yes. I'm thinking, Frank. Oh, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead and think. And I'm not sure, like, what is a candle? A candle is some sort of lighting fixture that's made out of a, something that can burn. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know like a time, but not always. Yeah, you're supposed to a lantern. Yeah. So, like, what would, a, would like, a fantasy magic candle? I mean, or it doesn't even necessarily have to have magic, but there could be something unique about, I don't know, the bees, for instance. Like, I assume they have to have bees unless they're importing wax from somewhere. Well, I mean, it could, it could be animal fat. Or, oh, yeah, no, you're totally right. That's right. There's plenty of candles that you can make with like, animal fat or, I mean, fish fat or something. Like, we could do something whale where they're fat. using whale fat. Ooh, is there whaling? Maybe there's whaling. Some other giant fish or something. Well, whales aren't fish, but sure. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Instead of a whale, it could be like a giant fish. Well, I, mean, I think the whale has things that fish don't, which is no way. Whale. Right. Oh, here's, here's Frank's double. Wait, is it mine again? I just took it down. Oh, okay. Thank you. And she immediately just. She's dressed to go to like Antarctica. How cold is it there, Frank? Sorry, what did you say? I said she was dressed like she's going to Antarctica. How cold is it up there? That's like in the 30s. Okay. It's not that bad. Uh, we got our, apparently got our first note. Oh, that's exciting. Happy Ladies and gentlemen, no and others, what is, is there a word in that, has somebody created a word or like, is there a good word to use in that sort of continuation of that idiom, ladies and gentlemen, that is inclusive, you know? Maybe I should just not use it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the candles. Maybe we move on from there, we come back and we come up with a cool idea. I don't want to waste time thinking yeah. about that one. We can they're, think about it in the background. They're made of crab entrail. Crab guts, sure. You grind up crab guts and you get candles. Um, maybe they smell really, I mean, they probably smell really good, but maybe that's the secret is that it's like crab guts or something. It's a very fishy smell. It smells like the sea. Well, crabby smell. Yeah, it smells, it smells of the sea. Uh, okay, so but yeah, as far as like what people would need, they need somebody to make. Somebody to make like fishing poles, I'm assuming. You know, you gotta have uh do you think there's a lot of like where's food coming from? I'm assuming fishing. Do you think there's also some like herding at there's, all? There's probably some like, I don't know, goat like mega island goats. Sure. Yeah, sure. We can have some like mega megafauna. I imagine like goats the size of horses. 
Yeah, I like that idea. You got, yeah, you got big goats. Sure, should they be goats or something else? Because we could make them like lizards or something. Milk drink. Lizards don't make milk. Uh, I mean, platypuses. Not lizards. Lay eggs. Yeah, but they make milk lay eggs. So maybe it's like that. So let off. No, I mean, I think we've done big goats before. Let's do a different big animal. It can't be a mammal, but it has to. We should make a different animal, like a big beaver or something. A domesticated beaver that you can ride. What are mammals near the equator? I feel like a lot of these. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of the mammals near the equator are are monkeys. They're all monkeys. No, I was gonna say, are they smaller? Gorillas live in tropical that. rainforests. That's gorillas true. are pretty fucking big. I'm just thinking, like, when I think tropical areas, I don't necessarily, like, what do you, what do you find in Florida in terms of the way of, like, uh, mammals? Um, deer. Deer, sure. Yeah, because Florida's, you know, not exactly tropical, it's subtropical, but, uh, you find deer, I know, it's, pigs, just it's just big, like, hogs. Sure, yeah. Or, because I was just trying to, I just, know, I just realized something for the first time ever, uh, which is, I think reptiles actually have a, a more dominant presence in, uh, in, in well, yeah, in hotter climates, of course, but I never really kind of connected the dots like near the equator. You get larger and more often, like, reptiles and amphibians, and that's not to say that there aren't big mammals, like you're saying, in, you know, in lots of jungles and tropical areas, but Before I think it means there's, there's a... Is that a thing? I thought the elephants were only in the savannah. No, there's just one kind of elephant. There's, there's even Asian elephants, right? Well, there are, yeah, there's Indian elephants, yeah. No, absolutely. The African forest elephant. I was saying Indian elephant is like saying American elephant. That, that can refer to like 12 different biomes. Um, yeah, no, you're... Yeah, uh, uh, what I was just getting at was I just I never realized like oh they have to jockey for space on the top of the food pyramid like mammals or other large animals do because there's a, I think it's a, like a rule of ten where it's like a rule of two with Seth. Uh, no, it's basically that statistically you can actually based on the population size of creatures you can infer the existence of a creature larger or smaller than it. So uh, for instance, there's a, a, a based on the number of deer you can roughly estimate the population of wolves in a given area. Um, and but because there are so few wolves, uh, there wouldn't there's not like a critical mass uh, of wolves that for something to hunt the wolves. So the wolves become the top of their like local food chain because there's nothing larger than them that eats them uh, because there's so few of them. There might only be a few hundred wolves in like a massive area. I will say that. Works. Yeah, we just fuck that up. Can't do that anymore. Oh yeah, no, we royally fuck that up. I mean, this is a, assuming no humans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like we could do the typical thing of like, oh yeah, there's there's pigs on the island. I do kind of like the idea of goats. How big is the elevation change here? Is there a big mountain on the island? I like the, I'd like there to be a big mountain. Okay, a pig mountain. A big mountain. We, we don't go to the big mountain. Yeah, we don't go to a big mountain. It is a scary place. Yeah, I'm cool with there being pigs. I think instead of goats, maybe something else. But it could just be like big deer or something. I like the idea of whatever it be, is being a weird domesticated mammal. Like a capybara or something, you know? I do like capybara. Or a wallaby. Capybara pretty great. So I mean, we can just kind of come up with our own. I, honestly, I was thinking giant platypus sounds so fucking fun. Also, just so you know, the capybara is already like a giant rat. It's just, you know, like, like Right, yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, they do. They get much bigger than that. Yeah. Capybara can get to be the size of cows. That's a big cow. Yeah. Size of small cows, like a, like a four foot, four and a half foot. Not like that mega cow. cow. You remember that cow? What's his name? Uh, oh, that's right. I do remember this. Oh, God. I forgot about mega cow. Uh, yeah, let's see. Nick, Nickers. Nickers. That's what his name is. Nickers. That's a great name for a cow. I love this picture. Oh, I'll send it to you. Don't worry. It's on, it'll be in Discord. All right, let me open up Discord. It's open already. I can see it. Oh, my Discord up? oh, you know what? I'm probably open on my, uh, my PC. By the way, last night I spent some time in PC building simulator, uh, using yeah. it to kind of imagineer my current uh, like setup, and uh, that was helpful because I already was like, oh shit, this can't go this way. This has to go this other way or whatever. That was good stuff. God, that fucking cow. So huge. So fucking big. Okay. So, um, are you imagining a platypus that size? Well, not, I mean, I'm imagining a cow sized platypus, not a knicker sized platypus. A knicker sized cow. So, we've got some sort of large fauna, probably getting a herded. Uh, well, I don't know if it's even herded, it's, it's just like the same way that, you know, it's grazing, it's ranched. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's being ranched. I like the idea that they could do some sort of equivalence of trophy hunting, like they, people use them to find like local flora that's like considered delicacies. There's definitely a ton of fishing. That's where most of the food comes in. What about other things though, like grains or fruits and veggies? Do you think they eat a lot of grains? I'm thinking not because any culture that does that needs to have a ton of land. Yes. I mean, you don't have a lot of arable land on an island. I think that there might be grain being introduced in the, in the new age to the underwater. Yes, I think it's like kelp. They eat like kelp. Well, well, and also the underwater homesteads. If you remember, like yeah. we were kind of playing with the idea that uh, a couple of like in the last couple episodes, the idea that there was like yeah these bubbles of refugees from a different land. Maybe there's a war going on somewhere nearby. At some point, and in the more recent histories, like maybe we say, like, even either Cordis or Pentis, Cordis would make sense. Yeah. That during even Cordis, they, you know, are creating this refugee space, and then as a result, there's like, yeah, uh, they, they, they bring some of their grains whatever. So it's like a new thing, but it's definitely not, uh, it's, 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 um, it's mixing into the culture or the, the, the cuisine of the land more than it's a staple. So I'm thinking, yeah, like fruits and veggies. A lot of fruits. Because it's probably, mm, that's right. Yep. Yeah, there'd be a lot more fruit. Okay. Yeah. So then, so there's a lot of insect as well. I like that idea. I'm, I am of a mind that if we could get over our 
including my collective distaste for eating insects, we can solve a lot of the protein problems in the world. Yeah, maybe there's like, um, you know, like grubs and Barbie. Mm. Big fat grubs, you just grow them up. Some Hakuna Matata shit? Yep. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, okay, holiday yeah. sauce on there. <laughs> holiday sauce on your Hakuna Matata grubs? Yeah. Sure. Um, so this is the foods, uh, but like this is the, the reason why I started there is because I think that helps us determine a lot of other stuff. So for instance, if you're fishing, if you're using either fishing rods or spears or something, that's probably got to be made out of some kind of wood. So you've got to be, you got to have some sort of lumber. How do you prevent deforestation on the island? Um, do you get some of it imported or is it, you know, is the wood grown elsewhere? You can probably rely on magic somewhat for that, but you can't do it entirely. Um, in addition to that, you'd also need a, um, if you have lumber, then you also have milling. If you have milling, uh, that means that probably a lot of the architecture is going to be made out of, well, partially out of out of wood, but also maybe wood is considered to use wood in that way because you have so scarce of it. It's, it's more expensive, which means maybe wealthy houses are built out of wood. I think we're in England situation. Okay, a lot of stuff is made out of stone, and the wealthy yeah. is wood. Probably a lot of mining, especially if they're on a mountainside. You can mine that for tons and tons of stone. Which, if this is an island, probably igneous rock, right? Yep. Which is not the best for building material because it kind of uh, it doesn't it doesn't actually you can't plane it very well, like chiseling it uh, into into clean shapes. It could also so be metamorphic. Get, oh, it actually that's true. It could be some metamorphic. You could have metamorphic rock as well. Uh, what yeah. I was gonna say is, is that because of the pitting, you would probably get very like lumpy stones, like you do get in a lot of like English and Scottish yes. uh, architecture. So a lot of the masses would be sort of these, these black, dark, uh, heavy structures. Nice. It's a good stone. Do you know about nice? Nice, yes, I do know about nice. I believe nice is the igneous form. No, okay, it, nice is metamorphic. Mm -hmm. What does it form from? I got this. It forms from granite, which is igneous. Oh, yep. Yeah, so granite is nice. definitely... Yeah. Oh, um, granite can be beautiful. You polish granite clean. Yeah, so they, I mean, that's but, a, they get a lot of granite, maybe. Yeah, so there's actually... Okay, yeah, you can get some... Because the thing is, it's like there could be plenty of color still, even with the volcanic rock. It's just... um. I think you need to be selective, and that would still be slightly more expensive. So that might be your middle class. Like you're, you're like the, the people who can afford sort of the nicer thing might have uh, homes made out of uh, granite stone. It's also granite super, stone. super dense and really heavy, and so anything that you're trying to move like that is is gonna be incredibly difficult. It's not as not as heavy as uh, nice. Nice is. Yeah, I mean nice is just insanely dense. Thing is, is uh, uh, better countertops. That nice requires some sedimentary rock, which you're probably not gonna find a lot, a lot of here, like sandstone. Well, it can make it can be made from igneous or sedimentary. Give oh, it can. Yeah, given the pressure. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, then yeah, we'll say there's some nice. So yeah, granite, granite, rock often under you know a certain amount of pressure. And temperature is made into nice, which is why I'm talking about them. Gotcha. So another thought, though. I don't think that's stone. No, no, we wouldn't, you, we wouldn't have a lot of... We don't have the light close to Dover here. No, goodness, no. But also, here's another consideration I was thinking about. A, do you think that they're on fault lines? Because I'm trying to remember, I don't think there's any fault lines uh, near there in on the map. Because we have the map. Actually, if that's in the Discord, it might be useful just to kind of think about zones and stuff. Uh, oh, it's probably pretty far back if it is. You see the currents? Yeah, I, gotta, I think I even passed it. The Empire Carter is eating a croissant. I eating a croissant. Yeah? Yep. I have no idea where it is, whatever. Because I, I wanted to say that there's. Oh, you know what? I might actually know where it is. There, Atlas, Continental Maps, Darien Map. Oh, here we go. I think I got it. Yeah, I know. He's a, what do you call that? A, a total unit? An absolute, absolute, unit. absolute unit. Absolute unit. An absolute fucking unit. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so yeah, looking at, because I think we are literally on the equator. <clears throat> you know, I'm actually going to open this up in Illustrator so I can see where the, um, the, the, the tectonic plates are. Not the Teutonic plates? No, no Teutons, I don't think. And yes, I do pronounce it that way, because it's funnier. Teutons. I probably wouldn't like it. Oh man, also the Children of the Light so fucking fashy. Holy shit. Yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't even remember, like, oh god damn, these guys are so over the top. And also they just don't make any logical sense. I was like, this is so uncomfortably familiar. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't care about this anymore. Yeah, it's like, oh, these look how ridiculous they are. But in 2020, it's like, oh no, it's I've like, seen oh, this before. Yep, yep. Oh shit, dude, I think I actually might be, let's see, is this subduction? No, it's trans, oh, what's it called? Trans abduction? Transverse, I think. Okay. It's, we have, I don't remember which island we picked. I think, did we pick the one that was dead center in the middle of, uh, on the equator? Share your screen on Discord. I can point, okay. I can point out to you. Sure, I'll, I'll share the specific window. I will mute. Okay, and then share your screen. Discord, you look much more like dark and brooding. <laughs> you have that, and you know, there's a good quote from Buffy. What is it? Uh, you're um, dark and gorgeous in an annoying sort of way. So, were we talking about this? I know there's a lot going on here. Were we talking about this island, or was it one of these? Because I know we kind of played with the idea of doing the one with the leyline spire. I am not against that, but I kind of think it's more interesting as a neighbor. So, no, no, we were doing the so one that's happening. We were doing the oh, one. is it this one? That one, yeah, the potato. Oh, because it's it's in the like it's in the the three it's in the triangle between the three leyline spires. Oh, that's right. Oh, and yeah, we'll have to talk about that at some point in an episode. Um, because the thing is, so what's going on here? The arrows represent. 
Yeah, um, I'm sure I've seen Razor make something that looked that stupid. <laughs> I love, I love their angular mice, man. It looks so bad. Uh, I bet they're probably comfortable. But um, I have, I have yeah, Razor so, mouse and 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 oh, and he just sips coffee. Doesn't finish his sentence. And you see, well, I mean, there's there's a bit of lag. So this, so I hold it like this, you know, like my mm -hmm. end claw, and this uh -huh. finger, like, you know, it's, it's this finger right here, uh -huh. grips to the side, and then like just for some reason the tip, like, it's like mushed up against it, and so like pain in that finger. Uh, how do you have? How big are your hands? Not, I mean, not. like. If you get like what size gloves do you normally get? Um, small. Actually, maybe you don't get gloves. Oh, you okay? I men extra small. large extra large gloves do not fit on me. Um, they they end up with webbing like here in my fingers. Uh, I typically I've never met somebody with larger hands than me. Oh my god, you're like the, you're the yeah. hand man. That's your super. Bad. I've got Massive stupidly hand. large hands. I've got big feet. I've got bigger hands. Like my feet are size 12, 13. So I'm not big, honestly, as far as big guys go. <laughs> Roll it back, Carter. This is a family podcast. <laughs> I'm not the one talking about how big my feet are. Jesus. I, that's not why I brought that up. I just because the two proportions are related. All right, fucking hell. But no, um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you make this run for his money there, friend. Oh, fucking hell. Um, no, just okay. Wow, we're already so far off track. So I'm just gonna keep going. The reason why I say that is because this is what a mouse looks like in my hand. I see. It doesn't even get like, your completely. Hand. Yeah, I, I typically like. Yeah. Um, and so what happens? is I actually have to hold a mouse like this, because because like otherwise it's just. I mean, not not, not, not using it like this. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, this, this, this joke does not convert into a podcast no, no. situation. For the record of the video, um, I will say this: if you're at home or at work, go ahead and hold a mouse, grab your mouse, and pull your fingers back so that it's kind of like they're they're almost like near the the, the backs of the buttons start, and then lift your arm up at a ninety degree angle uh, from your forearm to your elbow, and then bring your head uh, hand forward like it's a brontosaurus, and that's kind of how I was gesturing with the mouse. Oh, uh, interactive podcast. But the reason the reason why I said that was just that like my fingers, yeah, like I the, my, the mice in my hands are like it's such a weird thing. I can't actually rest my fingers against it because it just like feels super weird, and also because my grip, the back of my hand pushes up like this, and so like to lay my fingers flat is uncomfortable. So I have to like kind of scoop them, um, and so there's like this weird cresting wave thing I have to do with my hand, which means my fingers land on top of the tips. Like, just the tips touch the mouse instead of like laying flat against it. Uh, so, so thing, but a I'm quick it. recommendation for you: there, there is a mouse company. I think they're selling Phoenix that make mm -hmm. mice for big hands. Mice for big hands. Yes. Well, here's the thing, though. I am in love with the Logitech software. Um, for like it's it's just it's so fucking good at, and also I've just been using it for years, and I think I'm just used to it at this point. And also, I, it took me, it's literally taken me years to get the mouse that I wanted, but they finally made the right one. And it's just everything I want in a mouse. And so it's really hard for me to like want to choose any other mouse because I have very, very particular uh, things that I want. But that's for a different podcast. Oh, okay. So you're, you're looking at this, uh, the, 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 the illustrator, though, right? Yeah. Okay. So the area that I'm talking about, can you see my mouse right now? Yes. So, okay. So these blue arrows are um, where the plate is pulling away uh, from another plate. Um, okay. The red is where it's pushing towards another plate. Uh, red zones are where two plates are pushing towards each other. So they would create um, uh, either subduction or like where it's like peeking up. Um, and then this is divergent plates. Oh, these are con convergent. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, there's divergent, convergent, subduction, and transverse. Um, this is this is actually subduction, not transverse. Transverse is like a rare circumstance like uh, here where two plates are moving laterally to each other. This creates like a lot of like uh, a small uh, uh, frequent hills. So there would probably be like an island chain, a very small island somewhere around here. Um, but uh, yeah, so what's happening here, if we're talking about this one, is it's, as it's pulling away, I think anything that happened here probably happened a long time ago. Um, because the current location of the tectonic plates doesn't actually make a lot of sense for how this land is mounting up. And that's kind of the long and short of it. So this this would be subduction. So actually, honestly, I might at some point I either need would need to redraw the tectonic plates or I need to redraw the um the, the zones because this kind of activity wouldn't really happen here um, because of a subduction zone. Okay. Which is while well, this one's moving this way, this one's moving up this way. So like it just kind of overlaps and piles on top of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so yeah, that's kind of a wash. But we can just say that I don't think that there's going to be if there is volcanic activity, it's to the north and west of it, like up in here, where things are kind of tearing open. But that's more causing like undersea vents and things more than it is actually like creating. If you don't get a lot of earthquakes with this kind of activity, any earthquakes that would be happening would be uh, running along fault lines up over here. Um, I'm gonna have to cut so much of this because this is of no use to the listener. But yeah, there would be there would be there would be earthquakes, but they would be further away. Um, so I don't but think tsunamis. architecture underwater earthquakes cause tsunami. That is true. I mean, yeah, and tsunamis would be kind of unavoidable. I don't think that they're going to happen all the time, but they're definitely going to happen often enough that worth a consideration. Every like you know, ten or fifteen years, you have something come in, and like you definitely have monsoons. Like this is the bigger thing. I think when we have, we have to think about incremental weather um, in terms of the wet and dry seasons. Yeah, you probably it's probably really rainy. Yeah, what's up? I want to have <clears throat> a foil to this uh, island. Be mm -hmm. the the Leyland Spire Island. I was thinking that. I, I think the Leyland Spire should be like all of Japan in the way that there's like a, maybe a warrior culture and they're very insular. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that also, I think that's also kind of necessary. So what uh, Carter's talking about is to the northeast um, of, of the island that we picked, uh, there is another larger island that has a Leyland Spire on it, which I think maybe what it is is, dude, what if it was visible 
from hundreds of miles away, you could see this tower, but never really changed size on the uh, on the edge of the, the horizon. And even as you drew close, you started to run into a span. It's not maybe it's not as impassable as other ones, but still impassable. And it would be extremely difficult to get uh, get to it. And by the way, that little diamond in the center, there's a large lake, uh, an extremely large freshwater. It's like almost like this is like yeah, a Caspian hypersized lagoon. Yeah, like you can see, and on the set in the middle of it, there's one unnaturally made island, and that is the Leyland Spire. So just so you know, Frank, mm -hmm. the vibe you're giving off with a span of water that's it's very Tolkien-esque in the realm in the realm of Erendil the Mariner, who carried the Elrondian. Ooh, yes. what's that? So Erendil is the daddy of Elrond. Okay. This is why Elrond is legendary, is because of his dad. So gotcha. uh, Mel uh, Morgoth was winning against the elves in, in what was Middle Earth uh -huh. and um, the continent next to it, which was sunken uh, later. So in Beleriand. And uh, so Morgoth was winning, and the elves were like, shit, we're going to lose. We need help. So they, mm -hmm. they're like, someone needs to go and try to get to Valinor to, get it, to, mm -hmm. to beseech the gods to help us. Mm -hmm. And so um, Erendil decides to go, and he sets off, uh, and his wife has one of the legendary jewels, the Silmaril, because they're descended from. Uh, let's see. She is descended from Baron, who got a Silmaril from Morgoth. But to make a long and short of it, um, he fails to get there because he just can't make his way through the like weird shadowy defenses that they had made around Valinor to make it where no one hmm. could come. And so then, like that. yeah, and basically he was about to turn back when his wife came to him as a seabird because she had been she had been like attacked by the elves that desired to take the Silmaril for their own, the sons of Fiona. Okay. And gotcha. so she had thrown herself into the waves to try and you know get away. And then one of the gods took pity on her and turned her to a seabird. And so she flew with the Silmaril to her husband Erendil and gave him the Silmaril. And then he placed it like upon his, his his helm, and then he like stood at the prow and it, like shh, it, like got rid oh, of all the cool. shadows and the illusions. He, he, he Rudolphed it. Yeah, he Rudolphed Rudolph it. it. <laughs> that's fun. I like that. Yeah, so that's what I, that's I was cool. With this. So sort of like some sort of misty shadows or something that were preventing them from seeing their way into Valinor. Was it also like wreathed or something, or was it just it was just the mists? It was just like weird mist stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I think um oh to borrow an idea from Vikings, as in both the show and the culture. Maybe the only way to reach the island is uh if you have a sunstone or something that's like a magical equivalent of it. Yeah, where just, have you seen have you seen the show? I haven't seen Vikings, but I like the idea. When you said sunstone, I just thought like Pokemon. I mean, basically, <laughs> basically what it is, is on overcast days, because the seas are, uh, like, one of the biggest problems that they ran into is that the seas over, oh, I can't think of what that's called, the, the, the span between um, the British Isles and, uh, and, and Scandinavia. That's not the North, North Sea, it's different. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but basically over that sea, they couldn't, uh, on overcast days, they get very turned around because they couldn't use the sun as a direction, so what they actually use, at least this is a hypothesis, I looked into this, um, this is a hypothesis from, um, from historians, uh, it's not confirmed, but it would make sense, especially because they've seen evidence for having access to this. It's a stone, uh, it's, it's a piece of, I think, a, a kind of quartz, where if you hold it up, it uh, filters out light and creates, um, like the muddiness of it actually focuses any light source um, towards the center. So basically, you hold it up towards the sky and you look through it towards the uh, towards the clouds, and eventually you might find an orb of light, and that tells you where the sun is. And so they use that as a way of getting through. And I'm thinking a magical equivalent to that, where maybe it's like there's some sort of like thing where only the people who have been to the island, or at least that's the supposition, is like people who know this like flow of, of of the abstract can reach it, where they have some sort of you know piece of rock from the spire or something like that that works as a wayfinder. You hold it up, and you can see almost like uh, like borealis, the uh, like the aurora of the magical light flowing through the air, and you can use that or through the water, and you can use that to track sort of where what what roads you need to follow to get through the span. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good idea. We are so fucking far off track. <laughs> Which honestly, I think we might want to do a one-in-one -one and call it and just make this episode into a very long two-parter yeah. um, and just kind of continue the conversation because I think we're in the dead midst of things and I don't really want to stop because I feel like all of this is contributing towards a larger picture. So for at least the end of this one-in-one, one is there anything that you'd want to pursue going forward? Um, With everything we talked about. Remember districts? Remember we're going to talk, talk about districts and then we start talking about food and architecture because it's me? I think I'd like to revisit this idea of like mining the bluff and to think, you know, like, is it like a dwarven quarter that is like sprung up yeah. inside the bluff? When also, it would be good to kind of talk about ancestry in general. Like, yeah. are, are the divides a little bit more distinguished? What is people's view on ancestry and mixing? Is it, you know, are they Arunian where it's just kind of, they don't even have a conception of the idea of, quote, race, or, like, because the ancestry is so just kind of mixed in with itself? Or is it more stratified, like it never asked? I would be curious to know. I think, I think that could be something we address. And actually, it'll probably come up when we talk more about districts and sort of mapping out the, the city. Um, because I think that kind of thing, its presence or its absence is heavily influential on what the city looks like. Yeah, I, I have an idea for that, which is, I'll just say, I think it's probably more native versus non-native than like human yeah. versus dwarf or something like that. Yeah, I think there's specific, like, I don't know if it's visual traits or there's literally like a magical signature of something or dispositions. Honestly, dispositions might be the magical signature. Or it could be um, because... accent. Yeah, or, yeah, accents would definitely be part of it too, but I think, yeah, outsiders probably get the, the shorter shrift or are just treated differently because, again, this is a culture of hospitality, but like the person who 
gives out the hospitality versus the role of the person who receives it is a very different thing. And I could totally see some outsiders getting in trouble for like trying to embrace those values and uh, and do the hospitality themselves and the people of the island getting pretty upset with them and being like, like maybe even cutting them off because it's like, you're not allowed to do this. This is not your culture. This isn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. That's really cool. We definitely should uh, should, should talk about that then um, in the coming part too. Uh, the other thing, oh, did you end the, uh, the Discord thing? Yeah, cool, cool, cool. I'll leave it up just in case you want to re reconnect to it, but I'm going to turn off the call for a moment. Yeah, I think for me, the, the main thing would just be, I, I'm i curious, let's, let's bring up, Let's bring up and talk about the the role of the three leyline spires in, in part two because I think dispositions we've talked about dispositions before and how heavily they're um uh, affected by what leyline spires are nearby. I think we should figure out what those leyline spires are and how they're affecting people Exciting. because that will have a very understanding sort of the mixture of the three will have a significant impact on what might the people's cultures look like and then that also is just as informational about um the way that a city is built as the physical structure of things like you know the kind of rock that they use. It's true. Oh, there was, there was okay. So I'm kind of cheating here because there's one other thing that I want to throw in, but we're already cheating. This is a two parter. Um, <laughs> I just really wanted a quick one to throw in there. We never got around to this, but um, when we're talking about architecture and stuff, I'm yes, big, bulky, and massive. Uh, I think that there's, it's a lot of very large, heavy buildings, but at the same time, I think that with the brightness and the color of the island, either that's used intentionally to sort of contrast from it, but not in a way that's meant to be foreboding, but more just to sort of be like, you know, a powerful exclamation mark, or there's a lot of decoration, articulations on, on stone, sculpting. We should definitely talk about like the role of masonry uh, too, like other sculptors and stuff. And then I think color. I think that, that either using stone for color or maybe straight up just painting um, I just probably can like be used for that too. It's drugs. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, flowering vines over everything could be really, really pretty too, especially because uh, with rock like that, I think it's pretty, like you have to maintain vines to prevent them from choking out buildings and, and kind of uh, causing structural damage, but like it can be, it's, it's, it can be pretty straightforward to tend to. That can be really beautiful. Okay. Uh, we should probably call it for now uh, for this episode. Um, Carter, you, we'll just keep recording. Um, we'll just kind of end one and then you'll start the next one. All right. Um, but uh, we'll, do the, we'll do the closer. Thanks for letting us be your escape. If you forgot your worries and you want to make others forgetful, we're on every podcasting service known to humankind. So don't be greedy. Share us with your friends. Did we discuss something that was confusing as hell? I mean, did you listen to this episode? We, yeah, um, chances are, though, that there's at least some context in the podcast description. I might actually include a version of this extre extremely messy map and maybe do some loose annotation. Uh, depends on how much time I have, I'd like to. Or at least I could do sort of like a you know, zoom in on, on the quadrant so people can have a loose idea. It's a very ugly map, y'all. Don't get, don't get excited. Um, this is more just for visual reference for me that it is actually super useful. Or, or pretty, I should say. It's useful, not pretty. You can also explore the subreddit or reach out to us at the Lorekeepers on Twitter or email us at lorekeeperspodcast at gmail.com for questions or things you'd like to hear in future episodes. Special thanks to Hosiah Soaking Hat for his <laughs> composition of Land of Heroes and Lorekeepers theme. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, until next time, don't forget, there are always more maps to draw. Districts to build? Damn it. Fuck. Whatever. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs> There's a very good story about uh, about Lord of the Rings. Wadele something. Uh, hold on, time that is. Uh, when are we clapping? When, when do we be clapping? Uh, at 30. Where are we dropping, boys? At 30? Right. Great. All right. Yeah, um, so, so, you're, so it's a Lord of the Rings. So yeah, Lord of the Rings. Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas are tracking the hobbits who have been captured by orcs across Rohan. Uh -huh. And they're running for days, so they're tired. And once mm -hmm. they get onto the plane of Rohan itself, mm -hmm. Legolas takes a moment and like, inhales deeply. And is like, ah, the green smell. This is much better than many days sleep. And specifically, it's it's a uh, it's token doing a green tea. <laughs> no, but it reminds me of when you like get a whiff of matcha. It just smells like like green grass. Mm, and that's green like, smell. Exactly, that's the green smell. I do I do actually feel similarly. Where the hell are all my windows showing up? This is weird. Oh, it was hiding. Here, where's Jihab? I think I need to research Jihab. Yeah, I do really love the smell of green tea though. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's why like, when I smell matcha, I, I remember back to like I'm like this is like a pick me up. It's like perfect. Mm -hmm. Hey, dude, I will say I'm having a lot of fun with the Wheel of Time audiobook right now. I uh, I forgot how much I enjoyed it. It's, it, is, it has definitely become like my, one of my number one problematic faves, though. Holy shit. I mean, it's so unbelievably heteronormative. It hasn't even gotten that bad yet. I think it gets way worse in later books. But just like the constant reminder that the entire cosmology is revolving around male and female sexuality is just, it's a lot to deal with. Yep. But honestly, I think the thing is, is like, you know for sure that, uh, that Robert Jordan just wanted to do his own version of The Lord of the Rings. You know, like, uh, spoil, spoilies for, I think, I don't know, a couple books in or something uh, for Wheel of Time. So you haven't read them, you just heads up. But like, that's why Mor Moraine dies. She's the Gandalf of the party. You know, like, her whole, yep. that's the whole thing. Is, is, and honestly, eh, I don't know if it was supposed to hit hard. I definitely was like, Oh man, damn! I liked Moraine, but I also wasn't like, no. Oh, like, like, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, I liked him. He did cool like wizard stuff, and that's a shame because we, this world, the world needs more wizards.
Who else needs more wizards? I've always said. <laughs> but one thing that I find interesting about that, and I, I think you're right that there is definitely some inspiration for Tolkien, as there often mm. is. Tolkien was like mega Catholic. Oh god, yeah. I mean, I don't think he even had a, a conception. He or C.S. Lewis of like there being a you know non non-binary genders. Yeah, but honestly, like how he deals with women, the, the, the biggest problem with Tolkien women is that there aren't many of them in the Lord of the Rings. Like, that's the it's true. Problem. There are literally like over a hundred like significant male characters with stories, and I feel like there's only like two or three women. Maybe it's more than that, but like it's not much more. It's like but a handful. The story of Eowyn is so good because it's like there's this woman who's just as valiant and badass as any man, but because mm -hmm. of the circumstances she's in, people treat her differently, and she hates right. it. And so she yeah. feels like she's you know like coddled, and she's like I don't want that life. I want to fight, and she does, and she's a massive yeah. badass, and she destroys yeah. one of the like greatest evils. Yeah, I mean that is really significant. I think it's interesting because I think that's why I actually thought when I first started reading Wheel of Time that it was so significant or like progressive was that half of the main characters were women. Yeah. Think about that for a second. That's not that doesn't count for much for me anymore. But like the fact that half of the main characters were like women was like oh shit, women can be powerful too. Hey, look, a fantasy author's actually doing it. Congratulations. Yeah. Don't forget we also but, have Galadriel. Yeah. Oh, I mean Galadriel is powerful as fuck. I mean she's I, like isn't she like up there with isn't she like she's part of the council? Of what's it called? Right. The, the White Council. Yeah, she's part of the White Council. She's up there with like Saruman and Gandalf and shit. Those are literal angels. Yeah, she is uh, probably the most powerful of the Eldar who's in Middle Earth, with the possible exception of Elrond. What's the difference between the Eldar and the Elves? Are the Eldar like Numenorean Elves? Uh, the Eldar are the Elves no, that wait. have crossed the sea. Yeah. Right, and Which Numenorean Elf isn't really a thing. That's the land of men. Yeah. When it was close to the uh, homeland of the Elves, what is that place called? Uh, it is called the Undying Lands. It's also called Valinor. Valinor, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, you've got Valinor, you've got Numenor. And Valinor is, was the home of the Elves, and the original Elves have crossed the sea. Well, yes, but like has been now separated from... Um, from so the world used to be flat, and then it was... Mm -hmm. Then the guys made rounded, it which is pretty cool. I like that. That's a cool story. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, not, I, I will say, because you made it, there, there was an exodus by one faction of the Elves from Valinor, but most, most of the Elves still live in Valinor. Okay, yeah. heads up. I'm going to be doing, uh, I'm going to have one eye kind of open on a window this is for Stock Informer. I am keeping track of uh, RTX cards because they are harder to get than a good boyfriend. Uh, they were in stock on Amazon at 8.58. They're out of stock at 9.06. So <laughs> I've been trying to get them since like uh, Thursday. So just heads up, I might have to pause us at some point when I get like a notification and just like dash and try and get one. I highly doubt I will, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try. God, it's going to be really painful here. There's like an alarm that you can set so that it just makes an audio. <laughs> Oh, it basically sounds like a, it sounds like a you know a stop time on hockey or something. It sounds like a, the Inception. Like no, it's a lot more ear piercing and unpleasant than that. Like Nolan at least and Zimmer, they knew how to make that sound like appealing or powerful. This is just like Arr! it's pretty bad. Arid, arid sound. Mm. Yeah, kind of. Um, how do you feel about the two episodes today? I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Because I was yeah. So I was thinking I was trying to think about what we should do for our episode for today. And while I was editing this week, one of the things that I was playing with was we could focus on kind of incepting some of the first districts of the city, and also maybe, like, getting more of, we have some of the identity of the people and some of the stuff that's special about it, but thinking about the city as a physical object, you know, or an assembly of objects. It's like, what is the sense of this place? And then maybe, by the end of either this episode or the next one we record, having a name for it, um, even if that means we have to take a little bit of time to just kind of come up with something that sounds cool. I think, I think yeah, doing districts would be kind of fun. I don't know what else, though. And we don't have to do that. It was mostly just, like, I want to get a better idea of, like, what this place is that we're thinking of. What, what's the climate like, you know? And, yeah, if it, it is, I think, close to the equator, so probably has a wet and dry season, that sort of stuff. Sure. Okay. And then, I don't know, maybe we just figure out what the next episode is after we, like, as we get ideas, sort of our one -on one Sounds good. All right, cool. Um, so this is episode five. Uh, I think that means, let's see, that's an odd, so that means I'm starting. Are you ready to jump in it, or do you have any other thoughts? I'm ready. Okay, cool. 